Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Good morning, Life Church. So glad you're here. This is that uh, the most feared morning in the church calendar. The morning we lose an hour. But you came, and we are so grateful. So glad that you're here. Have you ever um, had one of those moments in your life where, where you want something so badly that you con- you've convinced yourself that if you don't get it, you're probably going to die? You know, it, we've all been there at, at, at some point that, that maybe, and maybe for real, there's been that place in, in your life where you've been willing to sacrifice in one place because you saw something down the road that, that you wanted, something that you needed. Now, this is kind of what we're gonna talk about this morning. In, in my ministry, in, in my years of, of ministry, I've known a lot of people who have valued their lives only in light of what God's best for them tended to be. They saw their best in terms of God's best and not in terms of what they had planned or what they had wanted. Um, People throughout history, this this has been the story. This is the story of the church, of of how there have been those that have been willing to sacrifice, reaching beyond whatever the norm was, whatever the comfortable was, whatever the common was, and begin to see something, recognizing that God wanted to go somewhere and he wanted to go in me. Where there's several of us have just gotten back from Costa Rica. Uh, it's, it was a, a wonderful trip. Myself, my wife Linda, uh, Rob and Cindy Hans are on staff here at the church. Went down, wonderful fellowship, had a wonderful time with them. Kind of went down, didn't know what we were going to do for sure, except we had planned a pastor's a pastor's conference, a pastor's retreat with a group of pastors in the area up in the northwest corner there of, of Costa Rica and Guanacaste uh, uh, province. And we, they didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what to expect. Let's go ahead and throw them up there on the, you see, Cindy and I are the only blondes. <laughs> you see us there. Yeah. Yeah, you pick us out. That's the group of people. It, it already uh, kind of warms me because I have stories and names for those people. And we went down very much because of the generosity of Life Church. You didn't know you were paying for this, but you did. <laughs> but in doing this, you impacted an entire section of Costa Rica through their pastors and through these churches. It was a tremendous time. These guys were isolated. Uh, some of them were just sort of wondering if they could continue. And God showed up in a wonderful and powerful way and made a big difference. So Life Church, thank you for, first of all, letting us go, but thank you for, for bankrolling this. We also had some fun on the back end. Um, any of you ever been to one of those all-inclusive uh, all deals? There is so much to repent of. <laughs> it's just, you know, there's just so much out there. But that you didn't pay for that, so don't worry. We, we took care of that ourselves. Very much the success of that, the only reason we were down there is because of an organization called Beyond the Known. 
Beyond the Known has been working in Costa Rica and, and uh, has, has begun to spread out. They have different things that they do, but they're feeding people, they're caring for, for uh, young moms and, and babies, and, and they're helping churches. And, and this was the very first of this type of event that they had done. And, and so Beyond the Known, the heart of, of Beyond the Known is, uh, is a guy uh, that I've really grown to love. His name is Craig Norton. He was here with us some months back for a short time. And some of you have gotten to know Craig that have gone down. He's very much a presence there. But Craig is one of these stories. He's one of these guys in the kingdom that saw something different than where he was and what he was doing. I've heard his story a couple of times, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind me telling it. He's he's happy to tell it. uh, Craig was a very, very successful businessman. He started a business that, that kind of went international. It was a business that was multi-million dollars. It, he had products uh, all over the United States. They were in the stores you shop in today. You may have purchased things that came out of his business, and it was growing, and yet there was this growing dissatisfaction in him that this wasn't all that there was, that God was speaking to him. And so he stepped out into the unknown. He gave his business to his employees, and he walked away. To what he didn't know. Well, the first thing was he started working in a church. It was a church that was struggling, and he helped put the wheels back on it and, and get it moving and growing, and, and, and that's a great story to hear in that, too. All of his business wisdom and acumen was all applied, and that church turned around, but in that, he started making these connections um, through that church with Costa Rica, began to see needs there, began to be drawn there. Pretty soon he began to realize this was where his life was supposed to be. Now he lives in the US, but he travels down there uh, at least once a month for a week or more. And, and he's in the country, comes and goes. But he started this organization, and through this organization, the thing, this, this is literally the truth. Even from the time that we were there a year ago, April, uh, this coming April, uh, Pastor Rob and I were down there with, with Pastor Brett and uh, with Gary uh, Turner, and uh, just scoping things out, checking it out. But with that, with the idea for this retreat was born. Uh, since that time, we have seen some of these communities that they are working in, the, the nature and culture of the community begin to change because they've been willing to work. They've been willing to meet needs. The, the model has been a good one. But it's that picture of something bigger that begins to happen when I step out of myself and start to see something that God is doing that's more valuable than what I'm doing. And I get to go along. I'm not a spectator in this. I have become a participant. So I want you to turn with me, if you will, this is, you know what coming next, what's coming next. Matthew 13 and verse 45. Yes, I only come for the cheer. This is Jesus in a parable telling you what you want. Whatever it is that you want, you may not want the right thing. So Jesus is telling you what you want. This is good stuff, you know? Somebody needs to tell me, ever tell your kids what they want? They're telling you what they want, and you're telling them, no, this is what you want. Jesus has some things he wants for you, and he wants you to want what he wants. Wow, I could probably quit right there. Matthew 13, 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant 
looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it, the pearl. became it. See, this is, a, this is a parable about deeply desiring the same thing God desires. This is a simple one. You're always supposed to, when you hear a parable, you're always supposed to try to find yourself somewhere in the parable. And, and from there, start to figure out where, where I am. Well, this is Jesus. He's basically casting us in, in the role of this merchant who, who has valuable things, but we find something more valuable. It's not that the thing that we have is bad. It's just the thing that drives my life, the, the pearls, purchasing and selling pearls, that, that the thing that drives me, I have found kind of the epitome, the apex, the, the best of the best. And now, because that's what my life is about, that's now what I want. That makes sense? So this is, this is Jesus saying, okay, here's what you want. I do? Yes. As a believer, this is what you want. You want the kingdom of heaven to be functioning at its highest level in your life. That's a pearl of great price. Oh, I was not aware. I want the kingdom. Well, what's the kingdom? I'm so glad you asked. See, the kingdom is the place where God's rule and reign are evident and in effect. Can I say that again? The kingdom of heaven is the place where God's rule and reign are evident and in effect. First of all, that ought to be my heart. That ought to be the place where his sovereignty begins. I give my life to Jesus. We just celebrated here in, in communion. We celebrated his death his death for us. That was not just a death in the empty spaces. It was death filling in all the blanks for every need, spiritual need that we would want. And it created a doorway into eternity for us. His resurrection secured it. So the kingdom of heaven, Jesus talking all the time about the kingdom of heaven is being established now in those who turn and say, that's my story. That's what I believe. He died for me, and I receive him as my Savior, and he says, all right, this is where my rule and reign begins. This is where my rule and reign begins to take effect in your life. See, Jesus preached it from the very beginning. The kingdom of heaven has come. The kingdom of heaven is near. And, and this is the thing that this, this is where you and I are going. It starts in my heart, but he never means for it just of the rule and reign here. This desire for the kingdom is to press out into the world and begin to, to deal with the darkness. We sang this song when, when uh, death was arrested. I like that phrase, when death was arrested. Well, he wants it to keep being arrested, and the kingdom of heaven is the means by which that happens, and you are, you are the vessel in which that begins and through which it works. It's you, folks. I don't know what you came to hear, but it's you. See, the, the kingdom is Jesus' dynamic reign characterized by his presence, transformation, and activity marked by peace yet full of energy and always creating progress. I want you to have that all memorized by the end of the service. 
That's how you're going to get in heaven. <laughs> well, well, maybe not, but... See, I crammed an awful lot in there, but write it down or something. It's in your... It should be in your notes there, but, but I, there's, there's a lot in it because what I'm trying to say is this. The kingdom moves. It is not stagnant. It always makes things different, and the different is always better. You got me? Wherever Jesus went, things got better. The only time it got worse is when they rejected him. But when they received him, when they embraced him, when he let him do what Jesus does, everything got better. People got better. People got well. People got fixed. The darkness began to flee. Death got arrested. As he moved out into the, the world that had been stolen, that had been broken, had been messed up, now in the lives first in his life and then in the, the lives of his disciples and then in us, beginning to move out into something that's going to make a difference. It is not stagnant. Now, if nothing is happening in your life, it could be possibly that the wrong person is sitting on Jesus' throne. Just saying. Could be he's waiting in the wings, you know, looking at his watch. I wonder when he's going to get tired of being this. Because I'll do it better. I'll let the kingdom begin to move. I'll let the kingdom begin to do something. See, he's a good king. And all of his intent, uh, everything that he produces is good. It, he, his intent, folks, listen to this. His intent has never been to make you comfortable. His, he may have wants to make you safe. But he never wanted to make you comfortable. There's something about this pearl and wanting this pearl and becoming the merchant and wanting something bigger that begins to create a level of discomfort in your life that begins to create life because the kingdom is dynamic. It moves forward. It wants, it wants to move into damaged lives. It wants to move into broken spaces. It wants to go into the places where there's a void and where there's fear, and where there's hopelessness, where, there's, where there is, is no way out, that's the place where the kingdom goes, and with it comes all of the power, and all of the potency, and, and all of the promises to begin to shape and remold and make people new again. This thing's driven by the love of the Father, who loves those for whom Jesus died. See, Jesus' message is, is that in his own person, I mean, this is a quote, George Eldon Ladd, Jesus' message is that his own person and mission, um, that in his own person and mission, God has invaded human history and has triumphed over evil, even though the final deliverance will occur only at the end of the age. When Jesus comes, it'll all be right. In the meantime, we do him a disservice if we're just sitting here and waiting for him to return. Right? See, the kingdom, it was the story, and the kingdom moves. The kingdom presses forward, and it'll press forward in you. It doesn't go by itself. It goes in those that are the redeemed. See, this isn't a new concept for the people who were listening. They had, they had somehow assigned the kingdom of heaven. They understood it, this rule and reign, but they had assigned it as some sort of a political move. 
It was going to be a social move and that, that Jesus, the Messiah, would return and put all everything right. We do the kingdom a disservice when we minimize it to that. Does Jesus love nations? Of course he does. But he loves the nations because of the people that are in them, because of the systems that break lives, because of the systems that are unfair and unjust. The kingdom, the kingdom fixes the broken stuff. We're, yeah, just keep moving, Tom. Um, we participate in establishing the kingdom of God by, by living a life that is driven by the Holy Spirit's power and direction. God, in his wisdom, didn't just leave us to do this because he knew we couldn't. We could have done anything by ourselves. That he would have left it, us to it. But instead, he gave us himself in, in the life and the agency of the Holy Spirit who came right down into the middle of your junk. He didn't, he didn't wait for you to clean, uh, clean house and throw, throw out the pets and, and brush away the cat hair. He came right into the middle of everything that was in your life and began repairing it the moment you said yes to Jesus. That's how it works. The kingdom have heaven begin to move, but he won't stop there. He can't quit there. He keeps moving and pushing his way out. And the Holy Spirit is the one that does that. He's the dynamic in all of that that drives that. See, have you made yourself available to him? What, what, what can we do? I mean, just on, on the light side, is there some things we could do to encourage this process in me? Yeah, we've been given lots of stuff. What's your prayer life like? You got one? See, I, 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 when I've looked for people to, to uh, in the past, to head up ministries and things, I, I looked for a giftedness, but more, I'm always more interested in their prayer life. Do you talk to Jesus? Does he talk to you? Do you have this place where there's a communion? Is there a place of stillness in your life? Is there a place where Bible reading is, is, is a part of your life, not just to run your eyes over some words and say you've done it, but with an expectation that God's gonna speak to me, he's gonna correct me, he's gonna encourage me, that there's something coming out of this, gonna come out of this book that's gonna create for me marching orders or, or a, a place where I, I can be healed. But there's this relationship. How about worship? I think sometimes the church is just now really discovering the place and purpose and the power of worship in the middle of what we do and how it excites the presence of God and how it brings the, 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 the interest of, of, God's, of, of God's forces and of, of his people and stirs them. How about personal worship is that place? There's so many things that God has given us, but we're really slow on the uptake. These things, if at best, sometimes become mechanical, and, but they are, they are for us. They're for us to encourage the assignment that we've been given. See, the kingdom of God is not about techniques and methods. It's about resource and purpose. Now, techniques and methods are helpful because they help keep us on track, but don't ever expect them to substitute for the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is the resource. The, he 
because of his gracious presence, because of his unlimited power, because of his compassionate nature, people's lives get touched. The kingdom of heaven begins to move forward. Sometimes it is just hairy and supernatural. There's no explanation for it. God shows up. You know, we had some moments in the, in the pastor's conference where we saw some physical healing as well as relational healing and all kinds of healing. Sometimes it's very supernatural, but sometimes it's really natural. It's just you being kind to your next door neighbor and being motivated out of their need for Jesus. How many of you think that maybe the kindest people in the world ought to be Christians? I mean, it's just a thought. It's a possibility. How many think the most creative people in the world ought to be Christians? They're living with the Holy Spirit in their presence. How many think maybe the most productive people in the world ought to be Christians? Most useful, most helpful, the kindest. That's how the kingdom of heaven moves forward. It's not about techniques and methods, folks. It's about resource and purpose. Sometimes uh, the, so much about the kingdom is not about what we do, but about why we do it. Why do we do this stuff? We do it because we love people. We love God first. And if that gets a hold of us, you start loving God and you realize he loves you. If it doesn't turn outwardly, if it doesn't go somewhere, it's a problem. See, now I know I realize the kingdom, here's another thing about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is always about people. You got that? Maybe it's kind of simple, but... It's always about people. It's about the next purpose that Jesus wants to conquer, about the next attitude he wants to set right. Uh, so it's always about people. So those of you who don't like people, and you don't have to put your hands up. You don't have to put your hands up here. You know where the irritation's going to come from. Those of you who love people to death, you also know where the irritation's gonna come from because the kingdom's always about people. People is who Jesus has always been interested in. I read this, this quote here just a few days ago. James K.A. Smith, he's a professor of philosophy at Calvin University. He said, too many forms of Christianity merely endure the present as the price to be paid for reaching an atemporal eternity. In other words, we just wait for Jesus to come back with no idea of what's between now and then. And it's the now and then that the kingdom of heaven is really, really interested in. You got that? Maybe our problem is we're just not as truly hungry as we think we are. I wanna just talk a minute about the pearl itself. Jesus picked this. He could have picked any kinds of merchants. There were lots of merchants around. And I doubt if there was one pearl merchant in his crowd. I imagine they were a pretty rare bunch. But maybe that's what Jesus was hinting at. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, a pearl merchant. Hmm. Of all the things Jesus could have picked, pearl. What an interesting, what an interesting idea. Pearl has got value because they're beautiful, but they don't have any value much except for adornment. They, they, they pick up the light and they and the way that they diffract it, and it, you know, a beautiful pearl is a beautiful thing. 
There are other things that are beautiful that we adorn ourselves with. There's gold and there's, there's silver and there's jewels and these things. But every one of those has, is dug out of the earth. This, this is the only one of those things that happens as a result of a natural process. The pearl happens because of something organic that begins to happen inside the oyster. Here's your irritation. Somehow a grain of sand gets in between the mantle and the shell. It's, it's, it's irritating the, the, the little animal, and so he begins to coat it with nacre. It's the same material that his shell's made out of, but, but he smooths the, the, these rough edges. And, and so he, he coats it a little bit, and that, that nacre hardens. And so it's not so rough, but the problem is that now it's a little larger than it used to be. So he coats it again, and he coats it again, and he coats it again, and what's the problem? It gets bigger and bigger and more irritating and more irritating. I think Jesus is just sort of having a little joke here because he knows that the moment you actually give yourself to this, you're giving yourself to some pain. He's talking about somebody who gave up what they had that was valuable to gain something more valuable. And some of us may be in that situation where, where God is beginning to declare something new over my life. Now, for me, I don't know. Um, how many of you, I, you don't have to vote on this. There are a few in my age range here, but you ever get the feeling you're just cramming for your finals? <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of you acknowledging this. The kids are going, What? <laughs> yeah, but you begin to become a little more aware of time, don't you? It's amazing. You start realizing that most of my life is behind me. And I'm still in this position of letting God coat my irritations some more so they can just keep being more irritating, but somehow it keeps moving the kingdom forward. Because in all that irritation, God is creating something that is so beautiful and so valuable that it reflects him to the rest of the world. I laugh. I was, I was voted most likely to succeed in my voting, in my, my graduate, high school graduating class. You'll be glad to know that about me. It's valuable. Valuable intel. Uh, I, you know, I was kind of that guy. But as God got hold of me, how have you know your whole definition of successful begins to change when you start to want what God wants for you? That's what he's talking about, about wanting it as badly as he, as he does. So you begin coating this pearl. You know, this, this pearl, it, it's, the pearl is creating because the oyster is suffering. The oyster is not having a good time because of what's there. And Jesus, kind of tongue-in-cheek, is just saying, listen, what you are giving yourselves to, what you're giving yourselves to is not always going to be easy. But when it's me, it will always move the kingdom forward. Not all the pearls, I just learned this recently, but... Not all the pearls are as round and as perfect 
as the ones you find in the stores. That the oyster is, is not you know, gently smoothing this. He's just pumping nacre in. And so a lot of them, a lot of them are, are irregular. And I found out there's a name for all these irregular pearls. And I just love this. They're called Baroque pearls. Baroque. And I thought, that's very cool because we're all Baroque Christians. This thing's not perfect in my life, and it's, it's a little unusual, and it's not shaped perfectly and beautifully, and it doesn't always exactly reflect, but my role, God called me into ministry. So I went. Thought it might be fun. You know, guys, it's okay, but I was like pretty ignorant. <laughs> it wasn't that much fun. <laughs> Sometimes it was just work. But it was still my calling, do you understand? So, so it was that thing. That, was, that began to be my contribution, along with a lot of other people making their contributions, as God was calling them, calling those people into leadership, calling people into followership, but calling us into this place where the kingdom can move forward. I got to thinking about this this morning as I was just going over my notes. Um, I actually wrote it down what I was thinking. Jesus understood and maintained that true wisdom and service were formed in the crucible of hardship. That's part of the kingdom. We get into these difficult moments and we begin to rebuke the devil, right? I rebuke you, devil. Do, do you understand that a lot of pain and and just the bad stuff that happens in your life, it's just you. It really is. It's like, I rebuke you, devil. And no, it's like you. You did this, and it's coming back on you. I, here's what I think. The best spiritual warfare in the world goes like this. I repent, and I'm going to exercise a little self-discipline. Spiritual warfare right there. I don't know what to tell you. We rebuke the devil. But here's another thought. Sometimes we find ourselves in struggling moments, difficult moments, because God is about to deal with something that's setting in a place that he would like to occupy. That we will be better if we let him have that. But we're not, so, we're not so happy and willing to just give it up. So there's a wrestling goes on. There's, there's this moment of contact with God where I'm going, I rebuke you, devil. And he says, it's me, God. I'm trying to fix you. One of the best stories in the world, I think of the Bible about this, is, is Jacob, the supplanter. That was his name. Supplanter. What's a supplanter? That's somebody who comes in and takes my stuff so he can have it. He takes my place so he can live in it. And I go without. That was his name, supplanter, and that's how he lived. But of course, he went, went off, ran from his brother. He messed with his brother and he ran away. And then he got tricked by, a, you know, by, by an uncle and, and on and on it went. But he's coming home to face the music. He's coming home to face his, his brother and he's sick of who he was and what he's been. And so he meets God. He meets this moment where, he, where God meets him face to face and he wrestles with him. And there's this back and forth that's going on that, that, you know, and he says, I'm not going to turn you loose until you bless me. What he was saying is, I've got to be changed. I can't keep being who I am. 
because God's purposes will never be fulfilled when it's just me. And he wrestled with him. And in the moment, finally, at the break of day, at the break of day, in the, in the end of the wrestling, he said, all right, here's what you're gonna get. You're no longer Jacob the supplanter. You are Israel. God rules. That's what it means. No longer Jacob, you rule. It's God rules. And he got a name change, and in the wrestling, Jacob finally got his true identity. He said, oh, that's who I am. I finally know who I am. John Wimber used to say, never trust a leader without a lamp. He was referring to this story. It's like, if they haven't wrestled, if they haven't fought, if they haven't got a pearl, if they haven't got an irritant that they're willing to die for, don't follow that man. Don't follow that woman. See, God's called you, whoever you are and wherever you are, he has called you to something bigger, always bigger, and it will move. Folks, don't go to sleep. Don't sit here and wait for Jesus to return. Become part of the force that moves the whole kingdom forward because the world is still broken. Heavenly Father, thank you for a day in which we can reconsider a pearl, Lord, that you encourage us to become the merchant's father and for the kingdom's sake to buy the bigger thing, the better thing, the more beautiful thing that God is going to more accurately represent the kingdom to which we belong. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for allowing us to step aside from ourselves and allow you to take the throne of our lives. Bless your people, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.